Twas the Tuesday after holiday, and all through the net, devs were back up on Twitter, voting for Const or for Let. Hey, season's greetings. Welcome to another episode of Angular Air. I'm your host, Justin Schwarzenberger. And once again, we have two great uh, guests joining us today. They're going to take us on this magical journey through life on and beyond the Angular core team. But before we meet our storytellers, let's say hey to our panelists. Joining us today, we've got Alyssa Nichol. Alyssa, happy holidays. Oh, we can't hear her. I'm like, hello, hello? OK, I think we're good. Hey, guys, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, hey, all right, cool. Uh, we have Austin McDaniel. Happy holidays to you as well. How's it going, guys? Happy holidays. And Mike Brocky. Happy holidays, sir. Yeah, same to you, my good friend. Uh, in this awkward week between Christmas and New Year's where nobody really has any idea what's, what's going on. Right, right. But hey, we got a, we filled up our uh, episode today with a bunch of guests and, and panelists, so hey, we're happy. Uh, and our guest today, you guys are probably, probably pretty familiar with them. I mean, they were pretty visible uh, during their time on the Angular team out in our community. Uh, we have Jeff Cross and Victor Sapkin. Jeff, Victor, How's it going, guys? Thanks for joining us. Yeah, good. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. So as we understand it, you guys have began this new venture together, uh, Narwhal Technologies, mm -hmm. kind of spent some time on the Angular Core team, and now you're on to that. We want to get uh, the story, the backstory of this journey of how you guys got onto the Angular team, how you got involved in Angular, and then what was it like being part of that team and working on this software that we all have come to love and we talk about every week? Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I could start since I was the first one on the team. Um, not the first one overall, but I beat Victor by about a year, I think. Um, so I, I came to the team through, I was working at a company called Deployed that I co-founded with my friend Richie. And we were making a backend as a service product, which was kind of a new idea back then, but now it's pretty popular with Firebase and, <clears throat> and Loopback and, and other tools like that. Um, and we, so we were building this open source kind of UI-based API construction uh, tool. And Angular was, they were starting to give talks about it at conferences and things like that. And we really liked the, uh, the design of it. So we started building integrations with Deployed and Angular. And one day Brad emailed me and uh, Brad Green from the Angular team, the, the manager of the Angular team, emailed me and said, hey, this is cool. We should talk and see about um, working together. And so we met and talked. And a little while later, when when we decided to uh, to move on from the startup, I reached out to Brad. And, and he was able to um, get me in for interviews and, uh, and uh, eventually, uh, through that, got to the core team. Um, just wait right there. So does that mean anyone that wants to be on the Angular team just needs to email Brad? No, no, he needs to email you. That's the key. <laughs> totally kidding. Um, but what was the size of the team back then? So at that point, I, I think I was the fifth engineer, fifth or sixth engineer. So there was, there was Mishko, Voita, Igor, and I think Chirayu and James Devor had joined just before I, uh, just before I joined the team. And Brian Ford had also been on the team as an intern the year before, but he hadn't yet joined the team full time. Uh, so, so it was pretty early, and um, it was a pretty exciting time because the, this was just when Angular was starting. Like people were actually starting to build things with it, 
in the community. And so I got to kind of see it, see uh, it grow from this kind of obscure project to something that, that so many products, so many products and uh, companies are now relying on. So to give us an idea on our time frame of when you got started there, what was the uh, version number? Because I know that a lot of people are trying to track the history of Angular through the version number. So I think we just, I think we released 1.1.5 shortly after I joined. About six months or so later, I think we released 1.2. And then it was about another six months to a year before we released 1.3. I heard 1.2 was the best version. I guess um, that means it, when, it was. when you joined. <laughs> yeah, it, it was the best version to date. And then 1.3 was the best version to date. And, and, and now v4, I think, is the, the best version to date. Wherever six. V6. Version 6. OK, yep. Um, so that's that's how I joined the team. Cool. So what, uh, so you got this email from Brad, right? Mm -hmm. And then you, what, you were just like made a pack, we're on the team, or did you have to go through an interview process? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Brad just, he gave me a golden ticket. I showed up at Google on Monday, gave it to them, and they started writing me checks and told me I could sit at a desk. Was That's there good. actually a golden ticket? Because I'm pretty disappointed. Yeah, I wish. Are so we I, in a chocolate factory? Yeah, there, there are chocolate factories at Google. That's the thing I probably miss most about working there. But um, yeah, so I, I had to go through the interviews. Everyone does, even no matter how much anyone at Google likes you, everyone's got to go through the interview process. And it's, uh, you know, it's a lot like all of the rumors. The, the questions aren't as obscure and as abstract as, as a lot of the typical questions you hear out in the wild, but they're pretty intimidating. Mishko was my, my scariest interview, which like is funny because everyone who knows Mishko knows he's a super friendly, super nice guy. I was say, like out of all the people <laughs> on the team, that would probably be the for me at least, because me and him just like click. So mm -hmm. what, why was that scary? Did you just not know him? Or? So it's it's uh, so when when you work with him, like even now when I work with him, um, like we worked together for for several years. It's he's really focused uh, when you have a, a deep discussion with him, a deep technical discussion, and. And so you want to be really precise in the answers you give and want to make sure you're understanding exactly what. So we, it was, during his interview, I think, well, I, I can't tell the interview question probably, but it was, it was a question that I was having a hard time understanding what he was asking me to do. And so I, uh, it was a lot of me, him asking me to do something, me going to the whiteboard and starting to write it out and him saying, what? What is that? That's not what I asked. And it would be like, me, what are you trying to get from me? I don't understand what's going on. And eventually, after a while, I, Brad came in to take me to my interview lunch, and I was saved. And at that point, I was like, oh, man, this was the worst interview of my day. I'm not getting a job. But you know, somehow, I think, uh, I think it worked out. It did work out. I don't know why it worked out. So that was the story how you got in. Um, so I'm assuming that the story goes that you managed to hack into Brad's email and fire off an email to Victor to bring him on board? Yeah. Um, yeah, Brad and I were pairing on something, and um, Brad had to use the restroom. And so I yeah, it worked some magic, and, and Victor showed up a week later. It's almost like that. I actually got an email from, uh, I think, from Brad uh, uh, because I was confused with another Victor. So we have another Victor on the team, Victor Bercher. So, so you got hired thought, by accident. Uh, sort of. So originally, I, I, I got approached by the DevRel team at Google. So I was supposed to work uh, in DevRel. And so I was doing that interview. You know, I, I was successful. 
Uh, but then the issue, and actually they wrote for the dark team, and uh, it's before I saw the light, the TypeScript for the future, whatever, you know? So, <laughs> so uh, I, I was going to be a developer for the dark team, and uh, so I, I passed the interview, but then because of some restructuring, some Chrome and whatever, you know, some like internal politics, I couldn't get the visa in time. And back then I wasn't a Canadian yet, I was Russian, and so, you know, Americans don't like Russians, it's very hard to get a visa. I couldn't move to the States, I couldn't join the team. So the guy, I think it was Fad uh, from, from the Dart team, like, hey, you know, there is a position in the Angular team, they want to join that instead. And like, yeah, it's like, like it's even better, you know, kind of stuff, you know, because I used Angular a lot before. And uh, I mean, I wrote about Angular a lot. So uh, I was more a fan of Angular than that. And uh, so they, he emailed my application to, I guess, Brad and Mishka, and they thought I'm a different Victor. And like, yeah, we know that Victor, you know, he's French, you know, Pretty good, you know, Russian, French is almost the same. We're all in Europe, you know, it's all together. Uh, so that's how I started. And then, like, it was too late for them to, you know, uh, pull the plug. Once I, you know, flew to, uh, uh, once I flew to San Francisco, uh, so I went through the interview and I got into the team. Did anyone from the core team interview you, Victor? Uh, who was it? Uh, a bunch of folks, uh, Ashbanov, who wasn't on the core team uh, at Angular, but at some point he was. So he interviewed me. It was actually a lot of fun. We talked about hockey and a few other things that I do not understand, <laughs> like because I do not understand sports categorically, and uh, uh, a few other guys. But uh, Mishka didn't interview me. I wasn't as fortunate as you are, mm -hmm. or maybe you know I was more fortunate. I don't know. It was so, a good experience. Yeah. Were you uh, brought in to work on something specific on there, or was it kind of more like, uh, and this is kind of for both of you, uh, or was it, hey, look, we, we're doing this Angular thing. You guys are interested in this thing. Why don't you just kind of join us, and, and we'll see. All, we'll work all these tickets and everything. Or, or was there something specific that, like, oh, yeah, this guy does this really well. Uh, why don't we get him in working on this stuff? I think in my case, because I was into Dart, like, a lot at some point, like, a lot, a lot. I was recording screencasts, giving talks and whatnot, you know. Uh, and the Dart community is very small, relatively speaking, compared to the Angular or the TypeScript community. And the Angular Dart was, uh, uh, was a project at some point that the core team was working on. Now, right now, the team is split, and a separate team is working on Angular Dart. At some point, it was the same team. And I think I was brought in as a Dart, not expert or whatever, you know, but someone who cares about Dart, and who is able to bring some Dart goodness to the Angular framework. Yeah, for me, I, I think a lot of the original, uh, Brad really liked the way that, that uh, I approached user experience and um, uh, the whole like, treating developers as users and making things nice for them. Uh, and so I think that was one of the reasons he wanted it. And I naturally, since I had been working on a back-end framework and had done a lot with um, some things that were kind of new, new back then, like um, you know, WebSocket as a data, as a primary data protocol, I think uh, for that reason, I kind of naturally adopted a lot of the data type integrations with Angular, uh, with HTTP library and, and asynchronous primitives like observables and, and Angular 1 even working with all the promise integration. And uh, so uh, so that's, I, I, so then in Angular 2, I, I did a lot more of that with HTTP and observables and, and uh, offline data type work. But it is pretty much, you get hired and maybe there's a focus that, that you have, but it's 
up until recently, it's pretty much been all hands on deck. So like with Angular 1.3, it was mostly, we've got this fix or this feature that needs to get in, who has availability, who's not working on something else, and then you'll jump on that, which is nice because then everyone gets exposed to different parts of the framework and um, you can make things more consistent across the framework, make APIs and philosophies more consistent. Um, more recently, we, the team's been split into sub-teams where we have a TypeScript team who focuses on the Google side of things and the language side of, of TypeScript tooling. And then we have the core team, which is people who work mostly on the core bits inside of the Angular Angular repository. And then we have the mobile team, which which I was leading with Alex Rickabaugh and uh, Rob Wormald was part of that. And then we have the material team, which is uh, a handful of folks who are working on the material library. And then did you guys set out to, like, did you make it a career goal? You're like, okay, I, I want to get on this team. I want to work at Google. I want to do this sort of thing. Or was it more that you were you talked about you were using this technology and did it kind of evolve and fall into your lap and you thought, oh, well, yeah, I want to take this, this journey? So in my case, it's interesting, actually. The first company I work at, I, I was 20 or 21, uh, and uh, it's like a startup back in Russia. So, and I built for them a search engine and an ads engine. So you would think it's like super Google-like, but when I joined Google, like I didn't have, you know, didn't do any work on ads, search, or anything backend related, which is kind of interesting. Uh, like for me, it wasn't a goal. It, it was enjoyable to work with the team because the team was obviously very interesting and uh, a lot of smart folks. Uh, but it was also like more enjoyable to work on the open source, you know, just the fact that it's open source, that's in the public, that everything you do is viewed by so many people. You need to be very careful with how you like write your code, how you position it, like, how you message stuff, you know. I think it, uh, that part is more interesting uh, for me, uh, but it wasn't a goal of mine. Uh, I would say for, for me, working at Google had kind of always been this kind of back in my mind dream of it would be like it's the mecca for engineers and so uh, so I, I when the opportunity came up I got a little excited and uh, was happy to pursue it uh, but same as Victor I, I'd worked in open source as my full-time job for the past two companies for the past several years before coming to Google and the thought of getting away from that was difficult like it's really nice to be paid to work on open source full-time it, it's if you can swing a career like that then, then go for it because it's really fun What's it like to like open, work on open source all the time like that? Like, is that something that, like, you, you know, personally, you sound like you really enjoy. You know, what are your, you know, your thoughts and what's it like? Uh, you have to have the right personality for it. I think, uh, like, one key thing is to be able to ignore uh, ignore negativity or ignore. Yeah, there's a lot of like, negativity. Yes. I mean, there's there's a lot of <laughs> like the constructive criticism yeah. is all like I think you train yourself to really look for and get get the good awesome. feedback in. But, uh, but there's a lot of people who there's a lot of entitlement and a lot of people who just complain about things all the time. I've got I'm pretty good at muting that or, or ignoring it. Uh, but uh, but other than that, it's like the the amount of friction you reduce by using open source is so much nicer than if you have to deal with permissions and getting people access to things and um, a lot of things that happen in closed systems. Uh, so that's the biggest thing to me is I like to be able to move quickly and get things done, share things with other people, get their feedback on it and um, have other people in the community submit pull requests and things like that. There's just all that stuff, the efficiency and the, the way it improves products is so much more appealing to me. 
so is that something that uh, the two of you are both going to miss moving away from Google and the open sourceness of Angular to Narwhal? Oh, we're not moving away from open source at all. Uh, so we're going to keep contributing to Angular 2. In fact, we're both still active. I, I'm helping with uh, a lot of the work with Universal, moving it into to core. Uh, Victor's still involved with with router and other aspects. And and we plan to keep keep building uh, building tools and working with the the Angular team to to keep progressing things forward. So uh, a lot of the way we're working this new company is is to allow us to keep on contributing to open source and to stay involved in, in Angular. Cool. So you were, you were saying that you were getting paid to do open source full time prior to joining the Google team? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. was that, uh, that was at your previous company. Was that something that had always been around as a position and then you were doing that? Or did that manifest in something like if I have my own company, right, and, and I want to get people involved in open source, like how does a company come about and saying we're gonna have full time staff to do that? I mean obviously at Google it's like okay that they have a product team for that, but mm-hmm. for just individual companies. Yeah, that's a that's a good question. This was a an interesting company that I worked at um, before deployed. It was called Unicon in Arizona, uh, Phoenix, Arizona area. Uh, they're actually they're in some ways they have a similar model to what our company is, uh, where they they specialize in certain open source projects, mostly in university portals and identity management, federated identity, that kind of thing. Um, and they would specialize in having a bunch of staff contributors to these projects who are experts in these projects, and would be contributing. And then they would also have clients who would uh, have support contracts, which which would help us. We would help prioritize features and fixes in these projects, and we would also help these clients with their implementations and help them answer questions and with design and things like that. And so it was this nice thing where we weren't we were working on open source full time, but we were also working with, with customers who were using the projects full time. So we got this nice perspective of how the projects were being used, and we also got to contribute things that were high priority to these clients and were. Or weren't things that we would make up in our engineer minds that would be like this would be a cool feature this would be nice it was it was a really practical product and so that was that was a great company to work for the culture was really really big and open source and um, and uh, yeah that was my first first job where I actually just got to work on open source projects all day that's pretty fun I feel like that's something that's on the rise and, and we're probably going to see more of in this coming year uh, in our industry is these opportunities for people to find jobs working on open source, but paid jobs through other companies. I feel like this is mm-hmm. starting to become more of a thing. Yeah, yeah, there's a, it's it's a lot of unexplored uh, business models with open source, I think now. And I, yeah, I, th- I do think more people are coming online to see, um, to see that not everything has to be intellectual property and proprietary and, um, you know, licensed you th- in these ways. What do you think makes developers so interested to work on open source. This is something I've always curious. I, I can see like intrinsic benefits um, from like a business perspective, but like why do you think developers get excited to work on that? As for me, um, I, I, for one, it's a good career thing. If you're, if you're developing a product, if you're at a large company and you're developing some internal tool or, or even the consumer facing product, no one really knows what your contribution to that was. And so if, if you want to move on to somewhere else, you could move in your company and people in the company could see it. But if you want to move on to a different company, people just have to take you at your word that you had a big impact on some product. With open source, it's, uh, there's empirical data of 
of here's what I contributed. Look at these commits and see how I think about writing code. And so that's one thing. And if you have a popular project, then that's even better because then you have a lot of, uh, if you have a lot of ins with people who are using that product. Fanboys, you mean. <laughs> What's that? Fanboys. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you've, you've got fanboys on, on the inside of companies using the product. Uh, and then there's I, a nice. I just, find it, I just find it interesting because it's like, uh, you, you want to, why businesses would be interested in doing that, like, would be the opposite, in my opinion. Like, you don't want anyone to leave, right? Or maybe you do, but. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's actually so it's a good recruiting tool too. So companies, larger companies who have open source programs, um, they they're able to to bring in developers who um, who like the pro the projects they're working on and would like to help contribute to them. Or and also as you're recruiting, like for Angular, for example, people outside in the community learn Angular and build things with Angular. And then if they want to work at Google, having Angular on your resume is a pretty good thing because there are tons of projects at Google using Angular. So. Um, so, so if you're helping, if you're a contributor to Angular, it's even better for for getting a job at, at Google or a company using Angular. Cool. Let's talk about life on the team and the and working on that uh, product. So, Victor, uh, we know you had your hand in doing router stuff, a lot of other stuff like that. Can you kind of give us a rundown of what kind of stuff that you worked on, and then kind of what was that experience like? Okay. So early on, I worked on a few. Core pieces, mostly with TBS and a few other folks. It was like three or four guys uh, originally, then the team, the core team grew a little bit. So I was working a lot on dependency injection early on, change detection, forms, just a few key components uh, to support like reactive programming or support functional programming because I came from a background where I, I did all the functional programming and a lot of reactive programming with streams or observables. So I tried to uh, make sure that the framework like supports these use cases fairly well. Uh, that's what I did early on uh, for the first year and a half, for the first two years. And then, because we had a few iterations with the router, I was asked uh, to do another one. Uh, it's like, you know. Uh, so anyway, so I had to do the router. <laughs> and it did not be very fun, you know? Like, I, like, it wasn't my plan to do the router. I was not super passionate about routing, but once I started working on it, I, like, I found out how complex the problem is, how, how, how nuanced it is. And it took me a while to figure out how to do how to do it right. And I think the last half a year when I was mostly working on the router uh, was probably the most interesting time on the team when it comes to actual work. Because one hard problem that I had to solve is the rest of the community to make everyone happy when everyone was already kind of unhappy, you know. It was very interesting. Uh, working on the team was, uh, was a lot of fun. It's a lot of very strong individuals, uh, like people with different backgrounds who are very, very strong engineers. So you can learn this for, like, obviously you can learn from Mishko and, you know, has a lot of experience, you know, from many different companies. Uh, but pretty much from anyone, you know, anyone I talk to, uh, I could learn from. Not just the technical stuff, but also the way I communicate my thoughts online. Because I tend to be a little bit more, uh, uh, how should I say, uh, like, uh, direct, you know, a little bit too harsh at times. So it took me a while to figure out how to, you know, massage my messaging into something milder and more palatable to the American ear. But what was your day-to-day -day like, though? Did you, like, pair a lot with people? Was it a lot of solo work? Uh, so it's mostly solo work. Would you pair with... Checking it uh, out? Uh, uh, it was mostly solo work. Uh, we did some pairing, uh, but not that much. Uh, we had a lot of design discussions, so that was the closest thing to, like, active collaboration we had when we spent, like, a few hours on the whiteboard, like, drawing stuff, like, laughing a lot, making weird jokes, whatnot. Um, uh, which is kind of cool, you know, that was very, a lot of fun. 
Uh, and then just like your, at least the way I work is I like sit down and I quietly think about the problem for like six hours straight. And then like, you know, I, I write some code along the way. So I'm not the one who like, I enjoy pairing. I used to do a lot of pairing before, but I think pairing and like and so work are two different activities. One is good for maybe education and, you know, business work when you need to figure out what is the right solution. The second one is good when you have a very complex algorithmic problem and you just think super hard about it for, for a day or two and then you write the algorithm at the very end. Cool, Jeff? I forget what the original question was. What was it like working, like what was the day-to-day -day like? Yeah, like, like what kind of stuff did you work on uh, specifically? Yeah. Uh, and then what was the day-to-day -day like for you? So, um, so near the later part of my time, um, I was the tech lead of the mobile team and that was a lot of fun because we, we were basically figuring out how to make Angular better for mobile all around uh, like there's there's the like installed app side of it with with ionic and and uh native script and those kinds of things and then there's the web side of it with progressive web apps and so that that was a lot of fun that's one of the nice things about working google is we had access to a lot of people like adi asmani we worked with really closely um at the beginning of the year and and other folks who just know a lot about things like Ilya Gregoric, we were able to talk to about a lot of the deeper plumbing things we were trying with HTTP2 and um, and even Jake Archibald like helped getting his advice on service worker uh, implementation. Like just having access to a lot of these people at Google was a lot of fun. And so Alex Rickaba and I worked really closely for the past, uh, the greater part of 2016 on building tooling and best practices and, um, uh, just getting the community thinking about building apps in this progressive web apps way, um, we would, and so we would have a lot of a lot of what we were doing was experimentation and prototyping and and then building tools out of that, and for that we 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 would do like a pairing day once a week, where we would we would work on our own and and solve things uh, the other days of the week and and collaborate in more abstract ways but on every wednesday we would just block the calendar off and and spend the whole day pairing but that was so we have the mobile team and each team kind of decides their own way of operating that was just what we figured worked for us and and so do other you teams always do work from the office or do you ever like do from home mostly from the office like the angular team is very much a work together in person type of office you know with 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 us being outside now we're trying to stretch it a little bit more remote you know we've got folks like pete and a lot of the angular one people who are remote um which so teams are either in my experience teams are either distributed or not distributed and um the angular team is a, a not distributed office it's a work together and so we have a few distributed people where, where it becomes a little bit more we have to make sure we're communicating well to, to those folks and and uh, I think us being on the outside maybe pushes that a little bit further to to help get get some more things communicated in Slack rather than just in person conversations and even GitHub issues as well. What what was the floor plan like? I mean, you guys when you worked in that office, is it open? Everybody's kind of got laptops or kind of cruising anywhere? Or they had stations, offices. What was that like? For the most part, is it was open office. Um, Last year, I managed to swing it that the mobile team would get our own office, which was so it was just me and Alex Rickaball in this quiet room with windows everywhere um, for for a while. This was like we were in a, a building, our building, the the second floor is being renovated, and so um, we had uh, we had to move out of it uh, once we moved upstairs. Um, but uh, but for about six months, it was just like paradise of 
quiet office, focus all day, um, you know, whiteboard our thoughts, have have meetings if we needed to without having to book a room. Um, but other than that, now everybody's in, in an open office. But it's a really nicely designed office. Like the acoustics are really nice. And, um, and uh, I don't like open floor plans generally, but the one the one that the English team is on now is, is pretty nice. And it's it's a nice combination of everyone's close together, but not too noisy and you can still focus. Victor may disagree. Uh, no, it was nice as open offices go. You know, it was pretty good. Uh, I'm like same as Jeff. I like my own space. And like when it's absolutely quiet and nobody's passing by, because my uh, attention is very fragile. You know, like it's even slight movement uh, like, like completely destroys my concentration. Uh, the hard part was in, in the office before we left the company. It was me, Victor, and Rob Wormald sitting right next to each other. So if we didn't have our headphones on, it'd be easy to get into a series of joking, especially with Mishko too. Yeah, yeah, it just, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun, but then like you don't get a lot of done. So it's like, should they have fun or should they do work? I'm paid anyways, you know, so. Uh, I remember when I was in school, I had to get separated from people. Is that what it's like? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, Brad, Brad sometimes had to put Rob in the hallway so that Victor and I could concentrate. Yeah. Just kidding. Victor's more the instigator than Rob. Uh, I guess that's true. So um, did you guys have somebody that was like your go-to person when you ran into that tough problem or had this idea about, oh, I'm going to pull this off with this code, and I think it's going to be pretty sweet. What do you think? Like, who was that person that you ran stuff off of that you just I don't, was your go-to person on the team? Uh, for me, it was uh, usually Mishka because I worked on core. And Mishka is heavily involved in core. Even though he doesn't write a lot of code in the Angular repo itself, he does a lot of thinking and he makes sure that the framework like stays consistent. So if you want to implement anything major, like make a major API change, it has to go through him anyways. So might as well, you know, start talking to him earlier, so not to waste your time. You know, if I have a good idea, or I think it's a good idea, uh, Mishka will be the one who is going to like make sure that the idea is consistent with the rest of the framework. So I would talk to mm -hmm. him. Uh, and he was actually great for, you know, brainstorming the solutions for a problem or whatnot. And after a few iterations, you know, maybe a week, I would come up with something which is fairly decent. Uh, but it was lots of guys on the team, depending on the area that I'm touching. You know, if I was touching the compiler heavily, you know, uh, so I would talk to Tobias because he's the one who understands the, you know, the implementation detail of the compiler really well or whatnot. Yeah, for me, I would, it was kind of a layered thing. If I had an idea, I would first run it by somebody like Victor or Rob, uh, who can help think through something and maybe like they're they're both ideas people, so they get excited and like to think through things. And uh, then I would work through, uh, work it through a little bit more, and then take it to to one of the people who specialize, like Mishko or, or Tobias or Igor, to say, "Okay, I've thought this through. I think we should do this." And yeah, and then they they would have less to tear apart if I thought it through with someone else. That's the good, I love love that about the Angular team is that, is that uh, we can tear ideas apart without tearing people apart. That if, if something doesn't make sense, you know, we're honest and direct about it. And um, we, we try to find the parts of the idea that are good and yeah. or the parts that, that do make sense and extract the, the good parts of it uh, and, and work together to figure out how to solve fundamental problems, even if the idea itself wasn't the right approach. Very cool, very cool. Okay, and then uh, who was the go-to person when you guys had to make some decision on where to eat for lunch? Or did you like always eat at the 
at the um, campus there, or do you have somebody that's like, okay, we got, we, we're going to go out to lunch today. Who's going to make the decision? Jeremy, I think, I think Victor, Jeremy. Victor and Jeremy are the picky ones. Uh, because like uh, both Jeremy and I do not eat meat, and uh, so it's easier for Jeremy to make the decision because then the decision will be satisfactory for me. So it was Jeremy. <laughs> well, the thing about Google is every cafeteria has good vegetarian that options. That is not true. That is not true. So it's more like, an excuse. No, no, no. Every cafeteria has a vegetarian option. Like very few have good vegetarian options. So I know uh, you don't eat vegetarian, so you don't know. So Jeremy and Victor rarely got invited to lunch because we all knew that <laughs> they would just make us go. So I'm just kidding. Yeah. But there were, like, Victor has, like, two cafeterias that he would like. So you would know if you're going to go to lunch with Victor, you have to choose between the salad cafeteria or... <laughs> what is the salad? It is the salad cafeteria. Like, there are no... <laughs> salad It cafeteria. was really good. Yeah, the salads are very good. I like them a lot. That's why I'm that slim, you know? A lot of salads, not enough. Mm -hmm. I uh, recently went down there for the GDE thing, and uh, something that I asked most people who worked there was, have you used the swimming pool? Because there's like a freaking Olympic-sized swimming pool at every single cafeteria. It's kind of weird. Like while you're eating, you look out the windows and see people exercising, and you kind of feel bad. You're like, should probably stop eating this. But uh, did you guys actually use like all of the workout stuff there or no? Not this single time. Not a single oh time. <laughs> so, and I cannot swim, so I would drown in the pool. So it would be dead victim in the pool. It's not a good. Mm -hmm. I, I used the gyms. I never went swimming there, but I, I would. Uh, I, they swimming have... is just dangerous. Like you know, That's think true. about it. You know, why would you go swimming in the water? You know, where you're like one step away from just being dead. That's a good point. That, that could really be taken with anything. Like, I, I think you could be like, why would you go to work and develop things when walking up the stairs you could trip and fall? And yeah, I'm actually very careful with the stairs, too. Yeah, Victor will not go on stairs. <laughs> are you guys kidding or are you being serious? No, with swimming, I'm actually serious. I do not like water. Like, we evolved not to be in water, yes? I'm no longer in the ocean swimming. I'm here covered, you know, by walls around me to distance oh, myself from the like water and from the nature. For very good reason. You missed an opportunity, man. You could have. You could have I don't like, know. It's, it's too risky. It's like playing Russian roulette. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get started on Victor's views against nature. Oh, yeah. I'm against nature. I have a party called the Gray Party. Grass was a mistake. Pavement. <laughs> it's funny because I'm like the exact opposite. I'd rather be in an aquarium working on code, sitting in water all day. I love water. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You've got that waterproof laptop. <laughs> <laughs> I work at the pool some days. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we got a question. Uh, got a couple questions coming in. Uh, one is, uh, what are some of the tools you found helpful in your daily work? How do you use them to improve your workflow? Is there stuff that um, you guys use it at Google on the team uh, to do those sort of things, like things like to-do lists, time management tools, stuff like that? Sure. Uh, this is Victor's category. Yeah, so I'm into time management like a lot. You know, for 10 years, I've been writing a lot about time and thinking a lot about time management. So we, I use my own set of tools and my own methodology for managing my, uh, because, well, my own methodology for using my own time. And I use Trello mostly for it, uh, but I use it in a very specific way. And I actually wrote a blog post a while ago where I described the way in which I use Trello uh, for my own per like, personal life and for my work life. Inside the core team, because every team is different, you know, we try different tools. We tried a lot of tools. And I think uh, for main reason is we are engineers, so we are like, you know, 
obsessed with software. I'm like, oh, there is a new tool. It looks slightly fancier than the old one. This tool will solve all our problems, you know? So we tried maybe like a dozen tools. And uh, we ended up using, uh, what were we using? The, uh, I don't even know what we're using right now. I think GitHub is the one we, we decided to use at the, at the very end. We abandoned everything else. Yeah, I mean, Slack and GitHub is basically yeah, Slack and GitHub. of the team. Yeah, but we tried a lot, a lot of tools. Uh, somewhat we, we went through an Asana phase for a while. Um, and we ended up, so we, we had, like Mishko and I had concocted some weird processes around Asana uh, that that were uh, sound. I mean, they were technically sound, but yeah. getting people to actually do it was the hard part. Yeah. What is Asana? Never. It's it's a, a project. I wouldn't call it a project management. It's like a task management tool. Yeah. Is it like Basecamp or no? It's a, it's a lot, lot different. different. Yeah. Like the, an enterprise Basecamp. It's kind of organized as a tree of tasks. Yeah. I, I actually do the same. So my like at some point I was so into time management, I built my own tool as you do, and it was like a ginormous tree with lots of tags and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So on the team we were that obsessed. We were not obsessed. We were you know into tools that much. We were building our own tool for triage and issues. You know, for a while, uh, just because you know that was a hope that you know, once we build the tool, the number of issues will go from like two thousand to hundred somehow mysteriously. Which of course you did not. You know, if if somebody were to build a tool, like I think the biggest tool any of us were missing, or anybody who works on popular open source projects, would yeah. be better management of GitHub notifications. Yeah, and it's it's just useless. I've it's seen like, some people working on like yeah. the, I think there's a project called Octobox or something. Somebody released an open source inbox soon, which I haven't or recently, which I haven't tried yet, but. Um, like it's just you can't turn on notifications for Angular Angular because it's either fire hose or nothing. Same with like the Angular JS project, both. So you get all notifications for every issue, even if it's not something a component that you own. And so you miss a lot of the important issues, and you think, oh, everything's great, uh, and you yeah. just work on something that's not priority. That and the ability to uh, turn a notification as like unread to be able to go back to it later on would be nice. Yeah, yeah. There's yep. a lot, a lot of fine-grained controls that would be nice to, like, to be able to create more powerful filters for GitHub. You should get uh, a, I would a feature request. Here to announce it, right? We got, yeah. we got some great Angular platform. Uh, you know, GitHub's doing the whole GraphQL thing. Hey, mm -hmm. there's a possibility to build this application for somebody out there. Yeah, I would pay anything for it. Yeah, me, me too. With an ass. I would, I would give my like left arm that yeah. I already hold. I lost it in a bet to Igor on the team. Speaking of the team, at some point we had a bet about who would, uh, like it was American Eagle and Canadian Goose fight, you know, whatever. And since I'm Canadian and he's like kind of American, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I lost because obviously fucking Eagle is much stronger, you know? So I lost my left arm. It still belongs to Google and to Igor. Mm -hmm. The rest of me belongs to me. Nice, nice. So I'm, I'm just happy that another repo or another uh, source of code is uh, getting tasked out of one of our episodes rather than just the Angular CLI. Yeah. Well, Why well, did you bring it up, talk. Broccoli? We're, we're, now we're going to shift gears to CLI. It's, it's funny you should mention that, though. Um, so, okay. Look, I, I'm, I know it's not all roses, right? And I ain't going to lie. There's times at my work when I'm like tasked with doing something. I'm going, oh, come on, dude. I don't want to do another DevOps thing, really. So what was that sort of thing, those moments? Did you have any of those moments where you're, you're kind of like, 
do I really have to work on this? For me, I I managed all of the infrastructure for for Angular for pretty much the whole time I was there, which uh, which was like you know AngularJS.org and and the doc site and all that kind of thing. Uh, which so I inherited this kind of PHP version of of the site that Mishko had made on an evening one time, um, and had to migrate it to. Uh, like Google Cloud Platform with Nginx and all these crazy redirects and these deployment scripts and and VMs and things like that. This was before like Firebase hosting was and tools like that were so nice and could do this kind of thing. Um, like managing that and when it would go down, sometimes being responsible for that was was not fun. Uh, now it's like it's been a long time where it's just been stable. Like we've worked out the kinks and and sites tend to stay up. Our DNS is with a is with Google, so it's reliable and doesn't get DDoSed so easily. Uh, but th that kind of thing, and like helping other, like setting up sites and things like that, like, it's just, you know, when I joined a team, that was kind of my first project, and I got stuck with it for the whole time I was there. That was one thing that wasn't wasn't that fun. Once we started moving sites to Firebase, like the new sites we would set up on Firebase, like Angular.io's on Firebase, then that all became a lot easier. Cool, how about you, Victor? No, I actually enjoyed uh, most of the stuff. I don't think I had anything like that. Uh, even when I had a little bit of work like that, when I had to like patch up a shell script or whatnot, uh, I enjoyed it in a weird way, you know, uh, uh, because I, I don't actually use Bash. I use a different shell, use Fish. So like I had to Google how to do it in Bash and whatnot. So it was a, it was. A, I don't think I had any like boring work that I had to do. The the uh, caretaker rotation would be the the other kind of. Boring yeah. thing. Or... Yeah, but then you feel like in the state of like Zen, you know, when you have to do this set of steps, you know, for a week, it goes, you know, by itself, you know. And then as a caretaker, you get a, a bottle of uh, whiskey. Right now it's vodka. It used to be whiskey, but we finished the whiskey uh, because it's tough, you know. And when it's tough, you know, you need to drink a lot. So yeah, the caretaker is. Yeah, I'm not joking. It's, it's serious stuff. So we like we had a bottle of alcohol next. It was yeah, it was a really nice uh, bottle of scotch that Alex Rikabal yeah. brought in. Uh, Lagavulin, I think, is what it was. I don't know Scotch brands, but I think that's how you say it. The, 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 so we'd be on a rotation where, for a week, you would be responsible for you would be responsible for drinking a lot and for merging the changes from GitHub into Google. In which, at which point, you have to test all Google projects depending on Angular to make sure that you don't break them. And yeah. if you do break them, you have to figure out why why they're broken and how to fix it. And there yeah. are any any number of ways you could fix it, like committing upstream or fixing mm -hmm. their project or anything like that. So sometimes that would be it would be really tricky to figure out why something was broken. Like, did, is it a bad test? Are they are they using Angular in a way that they shouldn't be, or is there a regression in Angular itself? Um, so that that would be kind of challenging. So just remember, if you get an email from Brad, this is the kind of stuff you get to look forward to. <laughs> but the the good news is you're you're only on for a week and you know, it goes between however many people. I actually didn't find it that note. Once again, so I found those weeks the most peaceful weeks in my life. You know, because you have a set of steps you need to do. It's not the create most of the work you do on the Angular team is creative, intellectually challenging work. So you need to think really hard. You know, you're always like you know bothered by the fact that you cannot figure something out. Or the design is not elegant enough, and it's never elegant enough. And uh, during that week, you're like, okay, you know, I'm merging stuff in, seems to be fine. My alcohol is with me, you know, so it's, I mean, it's pretty good. It's like vacation. <laughs> now, and just to be clear, like, these are the views of our guests, not necessarily <laughs> our show, right? <laughs>
So, I want I want to give you guys in a platform here. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about your newest endeavor? We talked about uh, all of your time here at uh, Google and on the Angular team. What about uh, with uh, your new endeavor? You want to tell us a little bit about about that? Well, thanks for asking, Broccoli. Is it okay if I call you Broccoli? Of course. Okay. Because other people were calling you Mike, but I've like Ben Lesh introduced Ooh. you to me as Broccoli a couple years ago, and so that's that's how I know you now. Uh, so Narwhal, and it's spelled N-R-W-L, because you know, we're a startup and we have to have an interesting yeah. spelling. And yeah, the, do exactly. the domain was available. Um, so, so what we're doing is we're we're providing consulting to large teams using Angular. So people who they're either they've just started or they're they're planning to start on projects. We want to come in and work alongside them throughout their project, mostly with helping them figure out the right architecture, figuring out the like solving problems like routing and state management and how to do things like shared libraries for for many projects to use together. Um, we're structuring the company in a way that we want to work with them on a long-term basis and help their teams understand Angular and understand how to make decisions and help steer them without us you know, coming in and building everything for you and you take it over when we're done. And so we, we have this product that we're calling on-demand consulting. Uh, that is basically based on that. Like we work with companies for for a year or or some other time that makes sense for their projects, and and uh, just work alongside their development team and and help them get started right, and help them when they're in the production to make sure that that things are going well, and um, basically kind of you know support for your team and insurance and, and all those things so that you can you can go forward with confidence, get to production more quickly without having to you know figure out what makes sense for you as you go, uh, that kind of thing. So you guys are uh, obviously very passionate about teaching and helping others. I mean, Victor, you have a ton of content that you've written over time. Uh, Jeff, same thing. Uh, Jeff, you mentioned um, you know supporting some of the stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, is this something that grew out of like you, you kind of sat together and said, "Look, we, we want to take this next step, and and we really want to be more involved in in communicating and, and working with clients and and." teaching them the stuff that we had a chance to work on and really helping them understand that and is that a big passion of yours that's why we're, we're you're taking on this venture yeah definitely uh so victor and i we both we both have backgrounds as consultants and uh, like i said i i have a lot of background with open source and consulting and i really love the model for it um i've done it for uh, for years and um we came to a point where uh, you know victor can talk about about his his personal things of moving to Toronto, uh, uh, which which he, he's recently done. And, and uh, me, we just were talking, and we both had this background. And I, given the timing of, of Angular coming out, we were both just like, you know, I think it's a great time to do it. I think I think a lot of folks are going to be uh, making the jump from one to two and, and uh, really want to get back into this whole entrepreneurial thing. And so uh, so it just made sense, and, and we decided to go for it. So how'd you break the big news? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, so Victor had a one-on-one -on -one scheduled with Brad. You know, we, we all had regular one-on-ones with Brad, and um, so they were they were sitting down for the meeting, and then I came into the room, and, and Brad was like, "What are you doing here?" <laughs> and I said, "I said, Brad, we have some news for you." Uh, and I told him that we were leaving the team, and Brad was looking at Victor to see if I was serious, and. Uh, and Victor's like, yeah, he's serious. We're, we're doing it, and we we wanted we told him uh, like right after we decided to go for it, we wanted to let him know right away. We gave we gave a, a month or so heads up, uh, just because we didn't want to be this weird 
time where we would know we were leaving and we were still taking on new responsibilities and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, we told him right when we had decided to do it and uh, he was super supportive of it and was you know, really excited. He, he's an entrepreneurial uh, guy himself and has, has done startups like this before. And so he, he was basically just you know, excited for us, asked how, how he could be helpful. And, um, and everyone else on the team was, was very much the same, just really supportive. And I, I'd like to think they miss us, but they were also excited for us to do this new thing, which, and I think, I think overall is a really great thing for Angular for, um, to have, uh, there's already a great ecosystem of folks out there providing services and helping build applications and do training. And I think we, we also contribute a lot to that ecosystem outside of, of the team where we can, we can actually provide services and, and, um, uh, contracts with with folks instead of the core team where you know they have they they uh, have a devrel team who, who can give some time to folks but but we can really build a um, a good reliable business for for folks and also help keep contributing to angular keep acting as an external developer relations team for the angular team you know kind of out there in the trenches with folks you know this is not just about your uh consultation work and stuff like that. I mean, you guys have been publishing some uh, posts recently uh, about some content in Angular stuff and, and providing that out there to the community. Some really great posts, especially uh, the most recent one, it, it talked about different uh, rendering engine experiment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's one nice thing about the holidays and you know, starting a company in the month of December when a lot of folks are on holiday already is we, we get to just you know write blog articles and do do interesting things um, in between talking to folks. So yeah, it's been really fun to to have some time to be able to focus on on uh, writing content. And I'm assuming you guys are going to keep doing that going forward. I mean, I think it's a passion for you guys. We've seen that over time. They mm -hmm. have written this content, and, and we're going to just the community is just going to keep getting more from Narwhal uh, on these topics. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and even, uh, and there, we've got a whole backlog of things we want to write about just based on uh, the, the conversations we've had with, with a lot of customers so far, um, based on common challenges we see and common patterns we see evolving. Um, yeah, so we, we definitely want to keep, keep that up and uh, keep on blogging at uh, blog.narwhal.io. I'll just put a plug in there, nrwl.io, blog.nrwl.io. Um, yeah, so I mean, even this week, uh, just before this, Victor published a new post, and uh, we've got some more that we're going to be publishing, and and we also want to keep on. Uh, we'll have some more open source projects we'll be publishing as we go, and so yeah, a lot, lot to stay tuned for. So, being that you're going to be staying there in the forefront of the community um, with blog posts, um, where could people possibly uh, come to meet you guys? Whether or not you'll be planning on being on any particular conferences or anything like that. Yeah, we definitely plan to be be around uh, at, at the same conferences that we have been. Uh, NGConf in in uh, April, we are platinum sponsors of, uh, which is really exciting because you know I really like NGConf has been a huge thing for me, just getting to know the community better and uh, you know giving talks and it's it's a lot of fun for I think everyone here has been to NGConf. Um, so, so that's really exciting for us to be able to sponsor it and to have a presence there. Where we'll we'll have we'll have a booth set up and we'll be uh, talking with folks there, and we'll also be giving talks and we're giving a workshop there. Um, so a lot of fun stuff, and we're also going to be giving the keynotes on NG Cruise, which I think uh, I think a couple of the panelists here will be also attending that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, maybe so the, maybe the, not on. The important follow-up to that. Are Narwhal stickers in uh, going to be uh, in attendance at those conferences? Oh, that's a great question. I think we definitely need to get some stickers going. Victor, do you agree? What yes. would the mascot stickers. be? Stickers? Would, I kind of feel like it's like a tornado. The the logo? Yeah. Hmm, that's interesting. I mean, tornado's good because it's fast and active and destructive. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Um, Deadly. <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, destruction. You know, my my newest son's middle name is Destruction. Theodore Destruction. For real? Yeah. Wait. Hey, I, Victor. Pascal wants to know: uh, Are you going to publish more articles on mindful programming? Oh yeah. So at some point, uh, I publish now because I am into you know self not without quotes. Let's do so. Uh, I'm into like. You know, I got you in that habit, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's like this habit, it's like, what is going on? So into mindfulness and just reflecting on myself. So I published an article called The Mindful Programmer, which you can Google. I think it's really good. And uh, I still do the same kind of stuff. I still reflect on uh, what I do on my day-to-day -day work, on my activities, trying to be uh, not more productive. Productivity is something that you work right now, you know, but sort of a little bit more selective about how I do my work to achieve more, to feel good about myself and, uh, and about my work. So I'm going to write another one. I actually had one like a draft uh, that I put together a couple of days ago, uh, but I'm thinking when to publish it, you know, maybe after New Year's. It'll be really interesting to hear too about uh, your thoughts on that, why you're with Google, and then now that experience is like on your own here, right? And, and yeah. how it changes your approach to the things and stuff. Yeah, like it, it's definitely different because I, when I was at Google, the fact that I had to commute like, and go to the office was wonderful in some ways because I can, you know, talk to people and overall uh, have a chance to joke around or whatever, you know, to do silly stuff, you know. And uh, but it was constraining in a way, like of how I was doing my work because I had to be with people, you know. So the most productive work, the most productive chunk of my time was actually uh, before I would go to the office from like seven a.m. to ten a.m. And now I have the whole day, you know, because I work from home, I have an office at home. And uh, I don't know what to do because I have so much you know, productive time or whatever, you know. You just yeah, have to talk to me all day. Yeah, I talk to Jeff, you know. He is basically like my therapist. For half an hour every day, I lie down on the couch. Like, that's what happens, you know. Dun, 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 dun. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're at the top of the hour, so time to wrap up. Um, tips, picks, anybody got any? Let's see. Jeff, you got something for us? I did. You know, I actually was going to bring it so I could show it, but um, I got my kids this cool little robot uh, a couple of months ago. Um, but I, I haven't had a chance to actually do much with it until recently. It's called Cosmo, and you should look it up. It's Cosmo with a Z, I think, and it's made by a company called Anki, A-N-K-I. Um, but it's basically these people who, there were people who worked at Pixar and other companies and, you know, designed robots for the movies and they decided to make a real robot that was kind of like the personality of WALL-E or um, uh, some of the, like WALL-E and some of the other robots from Pixar. Uh, so it's this really cool little robot. You, you basically, you have an app on your phone and you're connected to the robot and it, it drives around and gets to know you, like it recognizes your face and says your name and plays with blocks, plays games with you. and it's just like my kids love it. It's this really cool little, little nicely designed, neat robot that you know has a cool personality about it. Um, but I would suggest picking one up if you've got, even if you don't have kids. Like it's it's fun to play with and 
and uh, and look at. Awesome, Victor. Yeah, I have two picks. Both of them are books written by uh, Sarah Bakewell, and the books are the at the Existentialist Cafe: Freedom, Being, and Apricot Cocktails. This is an awesome book about phenomenologists like Husserl and Heidegger, and existentialist Camus, Sartre, and the rest. And uh, it's basically a book about these uh, philosophers, their lives, relationships, hardships they went through. And uh, so the book is about their philosophy, but also about their lives and how their lives affected their philosophy. It's a very interesting read. It's probably the best book I read this year, and I highly recommend it. And the second one, the similar book, it's called How to Live. Your, how to Live. It's about uh, Michel de Montaigne, who is a French philosopher who lived in the 16th century. Similar kind of book, you know, but instead of uh, Satra, we talk about uh, Montaigne. Again, a fantastic book, highly recommend. That's it. Can See? I also add a plug for our Twitter account? Ooh, yeah. N NRWL underscore IO. Uh -huh. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Broccoli says we can't plug that. <laughs> no, no, it, it, you can. You just need to follow all of us from that account. That's all. Uh, okay, maybe. We'll, I mean, we'll you're, famous, you're famous enough to have your beard has its own Twitter account. Yep, which I still don't know who's it verified. It's not famous if it's not verified. That's true. You know, I can't even get verified. That's right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so NRWL underscore IO. Uh, we, we post our blog articles and other cool things there. Yes, yeah, so we'll throw that up in the episode notes. So we'll get the link up there as well. Um, definitely follow that. And like I said, it, it, they're, they're putting out uh, blog post content that's great, free, awesome. So follow that. Uh, okay, panelists. You guys got anything? Alyssa? I totally do. I'm pulling up. Can I share? Is it possible? I think I can, right? Your entire we can screen. Do that. Share. Oh, it just went. All right, <laughs> let me know when you see it. Do you see it? Yep. This is my glorious Christmas present that my husband got me. And it's from an artist called Courtney Kelly. And I'll be posting her. Um, this is her, this right here on Etsy. So yeah, you can either obviously buy something that she's already made or you can send her pictures of your pets and then she'll paint them. And this, in case you didn't know, is very real life to Gummy and Barnaby. So yes, that is my one pick for the day is this artist on Etsy. <laughs> that is very cool. Very cool. Hmm. Uh, Austin? Um. I don't have any like technology picks, but my wife got me a Oculus Touch for Christmas. It is awesome, awesome. I can it it like blows my mind how well it's done. So it, it's really cool. If you have an Oculus or you're thinking about that, like definitely get the Touch if you're gonna get it. Cool, uh, broccoli. Uh, I actually is a, mine is a little bit of a plug for next week. I've had so much fun the last time I did a uh, this this I learned uh, episode on here, and next year to kick off the new year, we're going to do another one. So looking forward to that next week. Also, uh, while we're on this episode, I hear my kids reading a book from the other room. Turns out, said book is a book about narwhals. So age and nice. appropriate uh, angular content. So. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Uh, well, my one pick is something I got for over the holidays as well, and that's the uh, pocket hose. So it's one of those uh, hoses that doesn't coil up, you know, it just kind of expands. And as seen on TV, 
I know it's been around for a while, but I finally got one and pretty stoked on that. It's it's pretty killer. So. Have you have you used it yet? <laughs> I have used it. I, I rinsed out my wetsuit the, uh, yesterday or the other day. I'm imagining so. you like running outside to use your pocket hose. Like, oh, I got it finally. I, I almost ran and just grabbed it right now. I'm here at home today. So I almost ran, ran and grabbed it. I should have showed it. But yeah, it, it's pretty sweet. I mean, it's, I don't know. Hose. I'm going to request that you show it next week out in the yard. So is it like a, a neck spring? Like a <laughs> Is it a spring inside, or how, how does it contract and expand? All right. I'm going to be right back. You guys just keep talking. I'll be right back. <laughs> this is going to be an excellent tweet. <laughs> the pocket hose on Angular Air. I, I've seen it before. It, like It's just like It's like the hair things that are scrunchy. Yeah, I, just, I looked it up on Amazon, but the pictures are leaving me wondering. It's not like a rubber thing. It's like a collapsible weird tube. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like a bunch of rubber bands in, and... A hose put together. I'm not sure if I'm for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just jealous that you guys have warm enough weather that you can do something outside with a hose. I know it's like 76. Oh no, 83 here. Wow. All right. Here it is, the hose. Right. Wow. So it's like uh, just a stretchy material. Just you know, you can kind of do whatever, and then. The, you know, it just coils up. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to worry about wrapping it up. It doesn't get twisted. Then it even comes with this, this uh, handy nozzle here. Wow. It's kind of cool. Yeah. How does that fit in your pocket? <laughs> I don't know. Bad marketing. I don't know. I'm so tweeting like hashtag ngconf swag idea right mm -hmm. there. The yeah, this would be a good one, right? <laughs> I, I, I highly recommend it. I think I got water all over myself. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Thanks a ton, Victor, Jeff, for joining us today, telling us the story, uh, learning all about the, your time on the team and, and everything that you contributed to this platform that we love. And best of luck to your new venture. Uh, really looking forward to it and here, seeing more content that you guys are putting out there. Uh, and thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you. All right. And so uh, like Mike mentioned, uh, next week we're going to do another uh, today I learned episode uh, kick off the new year with another one of those and then we got a bunch of good content lined up as we start out 2017 so please join us every Tuesday we're looking forward to it thanks everybody have a good one happy All holidays right. yeah.